Good evening. evening. If you would uh, please turn in your pew Bibles to page 480. I'm going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from the following of the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you Wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And as if there was not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on the earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, and to make a name for himself, and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt? You have established your people Israel as your very own forever. And you, O Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, 
so that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servants, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to offer you this prayer. O Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your words are trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. The word of the Lord. Not sure if if y'all do that here, but it's always good to see. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this time that we could all gather together to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we have it in our language so that we can understand it. Lord, I pray that you would be with me as I seek to proclaim your word, for I am a sinner. And I pray that you would forgive me for my sins as you forgive your people for their sins. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you first loved us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. While I was in college, I worked at Camp Manitoba in Frankfurt, Illinois, as a summer camp counselor. I have enough stories to probably last a few hours. Um, Stories of kids saying and doing the darndest things. Um, Stories of college kids taking golf carts for joyrides when the kids aren't around. Um, And even games and activities I thought in theory would be fun and good, but in practice didn't turn out so. Being a summer camp counselor for four years is a good thing for someone who wants to become a pastor. Because you will have sermon illustrations to last your lifetime. An important part of the Camp Manitoba summer camp experience is chapel, twice a day, morning and evening. Usually lasts about an hour, there's some singing time, there's a, a short message, and it's usually hard for the children to pay attention, especially the younger ones. And this one week, I had third, fourth, and fifth graders. And uh, so I decided to try something to see if I could change the way that chapel had been going for my cabin during this summer. I said to them, I said, okay, I will give you all three things from the snack shop on Thursday. If you can go the whole week without uh, misbehaving during chapel, without asking to go to the bathroom or to get a drink of water or, or anything like that. And they all agreed, thinking, no problem. I was in third grade once. I know how they think, and I know that there's no way they would be able to do this. So Monday night, sure enough, perfect angels. I'm not sure, their parents didn't say anything about them being perfect angels at home. But for me, they were perfect angels. They, They sat quietly, they sang loudly during singing time, during the sermon, they were quiet. Okay, it's first night, this can't last. Tuesday morning chapel, Tuesday evening chapel, same thing. These boys are the most well-behaved boys that I've ever seen. Start to get a little nervous. I figured, there's no way they can go this long. One of them has to get fidgety enough to, to ask for a drink of water or to ask to leave the room for a moment. Wednesday morning chapel goes by and they, they, they do well. And I, I'm seriously shocked. I actually went back to my attendance sheet and I checked to make sure they weren't all from Dutch families. There was a few. I thought to myself, though, Wednesday night is coming. Wednesday night chapel is outside. It's at a bonfire. There's no way. 
There's no way. And, and here, know that I want them to behave, obviously, and I want them to pay attention, but it just hasn't been par for the course. And so, sh- sure enough, Wednesday night chapel, they paid attention, they asked questions, and even after all that, they had great things to say that night before bedtime. I was shocked. So Thursday, I, I didn't say anything about it. I didn't bring it up. I figured they, they would remind me. And uh, we were going to one of our activities. I pulled out my clipboard. And I'm looking at the activity list of what we're about to do. And I look up from my clipboard, and they've formed like a semicircle around me. And I, I look up, and hey, hey, guys, what, what's going on? And uh, I'll never forget, his name's Jacob Boomgarden. We'll never forget him. He was their de facto leader for the week. He comes up to me, and he says, well, we just wanted to have a little conversation about that deal you made with us on Monday. And uh, sure enough, I, I, I actually shelled out $25 worth of snacks for all of my boys because they knew what they did. They knew they earned it, and they picked the most expensive things. I learned that day that if you make a deal with a child, especially a crafty group of 10-year-olds, you might not get out of it what you thought. And things don't often go the way that we plan them to. David, king of Judah and king of Israel, finished building his palace. He's building up the area around the palace, the city of Jerusalem. And the word tells us he was given rest on all sides. And in David's rest mode, what he thinks about is building a temple for the Lord and raising the level of spiritual worship in the city. It's an admirable thought. The prophet Nathan tells David right away, go ahead, do it. Go ahead and build a temple. The, the, the Lord is with you, with whatever you do. But the Lord intervenes. And in verse 5 and 7, we see this. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? At first glance, it seems like the Lord is maybe upset with David, or even that he's being sarcastic with David. But what what the Lord is doing here is trying to remind David that the Lord is in control of all things. And if the Lord wanted a temple built for his name, it would have been built already. Also, the Lord is sending this message through Nathan. And uh, the commentator, Matthew Henry, has some interesting thoughts on this. The message came to Nathan that same night, that Nathan might not continue long in an error, nor David have his head any further filled with thoughts of that which he must never bring to pass. God might have said this to David himself immediately, but he chose to send it by Nathan to support the honor of his prophets and to preserve in David a regard for them. Though David be the head, the prophets must be the eyes by which he must see the visions of the Almighty and the tongue by which he must hear the word of God. The Lord brings this prophecy to David through Nathan. And the Lord shows throughout the Bible that he supports his prophets. David trusts Nathan. And so when he hears this word from Nathan, he knows that it's true. He knows it's from the Lord. The Lord is setting up something interesting here that David probably didn't even realize was going to happen. David wanted to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord is going to build a house for David. In verse 8 and 9, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, 
and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on the earth. We can trust the Lord to keep his promises. And David is trusting the Lord to keep his promises. And why is he doing that? Because David has seen time and time again the Lord leading him through missteps, through, through trials and traps. David has a track record with the Lord and knows the Lord keeps his promises. The point here is that the Lord and David are doing this together, right? The Lord is doing the action and and setting this up for David. And we know that David's legacy is going to continue forever. God says it's going to happen, and what happens? His legacy is continued all the way up till today, and it will continue forever. In 2 Samuel 7, the Lord promises to do three things. One, he's going to bless David, he's going to bless Israel, and he's going to bless the world. We've already seen right away how he blesses David. Let's look at how he's going to bless Israel. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed a leader over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Israel will no longer be a nomad nation. They will no longer travel from place to place, living in tents and going wherever they can to find food, water, and and whatever else they needed. Israel will also have rest from the weariness of battle. And what happens right after David's life? His son Solomon has an unprecedented time of peace and prosperity. And not just for Israel, but all of the nations around Israel experience that peace and prosperity as well. David had spent his time in life fighting many battles, many wars, and always living on the run. So he would be looking forward to peace. David wanted to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord is going to build a house for David and for Israel. Now, after hearing all of this from Nathan, it's possible that David had some thoughts of disappointment. I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but for me, whenever I have a good idea or something I think I want to do, I go a million miles a minute. I start thinking of all the things that I could do. I start thinking of all the things I could buy to do this thing, or I I can go and go and go. And David, in that moment, probably did. He probably started thinking of what it could look like, what he could do with it. But that disappointment probably faded quickly when David realized the gravity of the situation he was in and just what the Lord was actually promising him. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. and He said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? David humbles himself before the Lord, right? Because he knows who the Lord is. He knows how great the Lord is. And he knows what the Lord is going to do. David was brought from being a shepherd to a king. Two very different jobs. And it's only by the Lord's hand that he does so. If we go a little further in David's response to the Lord, he says this, The Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you've revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. 
So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Forever. That's a fun word, isn't it? When we humans use the word forever, we primarily use it to describe things that are taking a long time. Red lights. Man, those last forever. Lines at the DMV. I uh, just recently became a citizen of Indiana, and uh, I had to change everything over, and they were only letting like 10 people in at a time. And so I stood in the parking lot outside the beating sun for about two hours with everyone else who was unhappy, and it took forever. Lines at the grocery store. When you've got everything in your cart and you've got children with you or there's just a really long line, it just seems to take forever. Lines at a retail store. Just recently, when the Kohl's opened up in, in Highland, my wife said could ask me if I would go return something she bought online. I said, sure, being the good husband that I am. And I get there, and there are 35 people waiting to return things in line. And the, the lady at the front's like, are you here to return something or are you here for, to shop at the store? I said, well, I'd like to return something. Is that the line over there? She said, yep, you can go ahead and stand in that line, and uh, it's moving fairly quickly. I said, you know, I'll, I'll come back. No, no problem. It took forever if I would have waited in that line, but I didn't. Sometimes even when we have to wait in line to use the bathroom somewhere at a public place, those lines could take forever. We, hurt, we humans wait in lines a lot. Unfortunately, we use the word forever in a different way. Whereas when David uses the word forever, he is looking forward to the future. He is looking forward to something that is so good, that is going to bless not only him, his family, but it's something that's going to bless the world. David accepts the covenant. I mean, he didn't really have a choice, but he accepts the covenant. Now, this this covenant uh, is called the Davidic covenant, and it's decreed to stand forever, and it shall. The line of David is the line of kings. The line of David will bring hope to the world. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Fast forward a couple chapters, Israel's going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. But if you follow along closely, you will see that the promise continues. Even in the wake of pagan kings taking over and the walls and temple of Jerusalem being reduced to rubble, the promise continues. Warren Wearsby, another favorite commentator of mine, comments on this dichotomy. No matter to what depths the kings and people descended, the Lord preserved a lamp for David and for Israel. In spite of the nation's sin, God chastened his people, but he did not break his covenant or take his mercy away. Read Matthew 1 or Luke 3. You will see that the line of David continues. David's lineage persists in the wake of a world being consistently conquered by pagan kings. David's line is unbroken, which brings us to this culminating thought. David wanted to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord is going to build a house for David, for Israel, and for the church. If we were to keep reading Matthew 1 or Luke 3, we would see that not only is the line of David unbroken amidst destruction of Israel's physical kingdom, but the Davidic line leads to the final and perfect king, the final leader of the world. 
The one whose name is Prince of Peace. The one through whom the world was created. The one through whom the world was saved. Jesus Christ. The Davidic covenant is a promise of yesterday, today, and forever. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about a covenant of the Messiah. The one who would come to rescue the souls of man. And David couldn't even fathom what the Lord was actually going to do. But he knew it was going to be good. And he knew it was going to bring God glory. And that was enough for him. So fast forward now. Jump to 2020 where we are. We're here. We are the church. We are God's people. We are Israelites by adoption. We are adopted into the line of David. We are adopted and grafted in to the lineage of Jesus. And when we think about this adoption, it's not, when we think about adoption, we think about a man and a woman going to a child who doesn't have parents, adopting them, bringing them into their family, and making them part of their family. This is a wonderful thing. This is not the adoption that is being talked about in the Bible. The adoption that's being talked about in the Bible is a different adoption. It is saying, I am going to take you and make you the firstborn son. Men and women, we are all firstborn sons. Why are we firstborn sons? Because the firstborn sons inherit everything. We are going to inherit everything. We are co-heirs with Christ. Our lineage is that of the king. Everyone who is in Christ, all those who belong to Christ, we will reign with Christ. The Davidic covenant is, just, is more than just a promise to David to be a great kingdom line. It's a promise that was true yesterday, it's true today, and it's true forever. The line of David is the line of Christ. The lineage of Christ is the church. And the deciding factor of who is in this lineage is not based on what nationality you were born as, but by whom you put your faith and trust in. Jesus Christ. Trust in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have adopted us and called us your own. We thank you that you have done the action, because if it were up to us, we could do no good. You've loved us first, and you've called us yours. We thank you for that. We thank you that we are in this place, and we thank you that we can worship as your church, as your people. We pray that you would bless your people. Bless your church. Bless all the people who are worshiping today and praising your name today all over the world. We pray that you would bless those churches who are meeting in secret. We have the freedom to worship here in the open. Lord, there are many who worship your name today who do it quietly and secretly because they're afraid of persecution. Lord, we pray that you would grow your church, not just here in the United States, but the worldwide church, that all one day would come to know who you are and confess that you are Lord. Father, we love you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.